1: The other sort of big theme that came out of my spiritual breakdown was the realization that I was a people pleaser.
2: Hey, Michelle. Hey, (sighs) Carling. We have been trying for no less than 25 minutes. Yes, it was like, You couldn't hear me, and then I couldn't hear you, but now we're finally here. We're here. We're doing it. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Do you want to tell the people who we are? I sure do. We are Michelle and Carling. We're best best twins. We've been best friends for over (laughs) 20 years. We've been through a lot of trauma, and so we thought we should start a podcast. And here we are. We just interview everyday people with interesting stories to tell. And sometimes we ramble on about things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This week, we're going to ask each other if you had to only eat one
0: food for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: Does it have to be one singular ingredient or can it be a food? Okay. Because I would say pizza. Okay. Yeah. I was
1: thinking pizza, but I probably would go with chips, which have no nutritional value at all. But I'm like chips are like my jam and you can get so many different flavors.
2: I like chips, but I don't like how they get stuck in your teeth. Yeah, And like the flat parts of your teeth. What's your favorite chip flavor? I'm like a classic sour cream and onion, but I've really been liking salt and pepper. Oh, okay, Lay's has a salt and pepper and it's really good. Is that? Oh, I should try that one. Mine is Lay's salt and vinegar. And I ate it so much when I was pregnant with my kids. That's all their favorites too. Yeah. What's your favorite pizza? I really like barbecue chicken pizza. Oh yeah, that's real good. I like pepperoni and bacon. I like pepperoni bacon with mushroom. Okay, yeah. I do like mushrooms on my pizza. And then just to be controversial, I do like a Hawaiian. So Pineapple does belong on pizza. Yeah. Fight I agree. Yeah. That sounds amazing. With a bowl it's of great. chips on the side. There you go. Yeah. Mercury is in retrograde. It really is. And, and it was friend. a full moon. And this upcoming Friday is Friday the 13th oh my lanta we don't have a I know. shot here do you buy into that philosophy that i definitely means? buy into the full moon situation because i've had kids yeah. for a very long time and they all are a little bit crazy on full moon even customers like at the bank can be a little bit extra like demanding or annoying on a full moon yeah i think it's a real thing i don't know much about mercury being in retrograde but i have heard that it can mess with electronics, yes. and I'm really feeling that today. It is just
1: a really good way to blame something else for our problems.
2: Yeah, that's fair. How was your week, though? My week was okay. I got sick on Friday, so I was home. I got a tummy thing, so I had not feeling good at all. because you were a sickness denier. I was a sickness denier, and I just refused to be sick when my kids were, and then, yeah, and then it came for me, so that yeah. was rude. Other than that, nothing... She was saying, what's going on with you? I have a Starbucks update. Oh oh yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, so Starbucks, a few weeks ago I was in the drive-thru and a barista handed me a coffee with the lid not on properly and 20 ounces of boiling hot milk filled my lap and car. And, like, it hurt, and I was injured, but we're not going for the lawsuit. Yeah, it wasn't a hot coffee situation. Right. But my car, the milk, like, splashed in between the seat and the console and splashed into the heat vents and got all over my carpets, yeah, floor mats. And so I would like them to pay for my car to be cleaned. Yeah. Because, like, I can't reach those spots, and it's fine now that it's, like, below zero. But as the summer happens and things heat up, that milk is going to spoil, and... I don't love that.
1: And I don't know about you, but that's just going to be like a reminder of the trauma. That's like PTSD, right? Yes.
2: So I've been back and forth with their claims department. Mm -hmm. They keep sending me Starbucks money. They keep loading my card, which is so kind of them, but like that's not going to pay to clean my car and they were like we need you to provide a quote from like a company that will clean your car so I went onto the Bubbles website I just looked up I looked through all of their options and the only option that will go into heat vents and take Mm -hmm. out the floor mats and wash them is like the top of the line one it's like five hundred dollars Oh, my God. Like they have packages starting at 150, but that's just like a surface white vacuum, what you can see. But like the problem, like I can do that. The problem is I can't get into all these areas. So 500 bucks. So I sent them a screenshot of it. And she said now that obviously they're going to put up as much hoops for me to jump through. As possible. So now I have to send them a official quote for the service on company letterhead. And they keep saying they want evidence of the damage. But what I keep saying to them is I cleaned up everything I could see with my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. The issue I'm having is what I cannot see that will rot and smell. And I cannot provide photos of that because I can't see it. Because if I could see it, I would wipe it. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately, I feel like I've got at least until May before I need to start worrying about the heat smelling up my car. And in the meantime, if they're just going to load my Starbucks card every time we email with each other. Absolutely. I feel like I just I still have time. But that was my update. The other thing. Have you ever entered a science fair? I have not. So me neither. But Olivia, who is 12, was like, I want to enter the science fair for my school. And we were like, cool, that's great. We love this. But what it is turning into is a lot of work for me and Lindsay. We were trying to give her some ideas. We put together this thought that, like, could you test if dogs are right or left side dominant? So right or left paw? Oh, that's cute. Yeah. And in the way that humans just naturally. you have enough test subjects. This is what we thought. Yeah. So I thought that at 12 years old in 2023, kids would know how to send an email. Not the logistic. What do you call that when it's like the pleasantries or the e- email etiquette. addresses? E- the etiquette. Thank you. Yeah. We gave her a whole bunch of email addresses for of our friends with dogs and they had all agreed to do this. But we said, well, she's going to email you and officially ask you. Not only did she not put a subject line. Oh, no. And I think it would have popped up and been like, are you trying to send this with no subject line? And she would have had Usually, to Usually, yeah. Yeah, she just sent it to everybody a blanket email, not BCCing, not individually, and I think because of that, it went into everybody's junk folder.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But
2: she was like, "Okay, I sent the emails, and it seemed a little fast." And I was like, "You uh-huh. sent them one by one, right?" She's like, "No, why would I do that?" And I was <laughs> like, "Just because now everybody can see everybody else's email address, you know, yeah. like." It, it's like fine in this case but as a rule yeah. of thumb and she was like oh and then i was like you also didn't include a subject line she's like what would i include it was all in the email i was like yeah i guess like,
1: so science fair science question fair. or like something right
2: but like in a in a, for a generation who's growing up just texting and messin like instant messaging You don't put subjects. And I think I really underestimated when they use Google Classroom and they get emails, but everything else is like they just upload to their Google Classroom. They don't have to like email an attachment. It's been really funny to realize. I just took for granted like the fact that this would be like. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. So we were like, okay, next time we know we'll walk her through the like how-to etiquette of crafting an email. email. Yeah. Oh my God. This is a great segue. Tell me. Do you know what we have now? What? An official email address. Yes, we do. I have just been like chomping at the bit to share okay. this. Not that we get a ton of emails, but you can now officially email hello at I did not sign up for this dot com. I know that's so cool. It's like a fancy Like email. we arrived. Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Because Before, we just signed up with Gmail, and it was probably after setting up an Instagram account, it was the next thing that we did when we decided to start a podcast. We couldn't get I did not sign up for this at gmail.com. We were toying with the name I didn't sign up for this. Right. And so, therefore, our email became I didn't S-U-F-T at it just isn't great. It wasn't right. Yeah. So, yeah, if you... Are feeling like you want to send us an email, you can email hello at I did not sign up for this dot com. That is amazing. I love that. It just it, yeah, it just seems more like official. Profesh. I'm gonna just keep saying this, but cause it's working. You can leave us a review and a rating a lot more easier than before. So you can now go to rate this podcast slash I did not sign up for this. And whatever device you're on, whether it's an iPad, a laptop, a phone, whether it's Android or iPhone, mm-hmm. it'll automatically know which platforms you can access yeah. with that device. You just click a few buttons. You can rate us and or leave us a review. I did this
1: just to follow through to see where
2: it, what happened. And it was super easy.
1: I just clicked on it. I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, so it just brought me to Apple. But I could also, because I have a Spotify account, I could have picked Mm -hmm. Spotify. So yeah, it's super
2: easy now to just leave. But there was one thing with Spotify that you have to actually download at least three episodes before you leave a review. Is that what it was? Yeah, I went on to Spotify and I don't usually use Spotify. And so I just hit download three episodes and then I went and did it again and it worked. Yeah, it's just another way to rate us, review us so that we are more visible to more people and people can see what they like about our podcast and maybe other people will be interested too. So yeah, it's not like we were celebrities that started a podcast. Right. Instead, we are just everyday people. Mm -hmm. So we don't just automatically show up on recommended lists or charts or we're up against, we're like, is it David and Goliath? Is David the little guy and Goliath is the big guy? Yeah. Yeah. So we are David. And David. is this a biblical thing? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what is this reference? So we are David up against Goliath. And yeah. so one of the easiest things people can do is give us a five-star rating, leave us a review. You know what? All I can think now is that wouldn't it be so funny if the big guy's name was David and the little guy's name was Goliath? <laughs> We're just Goliath up against David and just trying to make our way in the world this (laughs) giant guy named David (laughs) should we also talk about that we have a Patreon yeah if we're talking about ways people can support us this seems like a natural segue absolutely so what is a Patreon a Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can sign up for that will give you access to episodes that will never be released on the main feed we have over Over 72 over Over 70 oh my goodness over 70 where have I been So as soon as you sign up, you get instant access to all of those episodes. So that's like a major, you know, I don't want to say binge. Win. Yeah. Um, A major listening opportunity. There you go. And then depending on what tier you sign up for, you get extra things. If you sign up for our highest tier, you get access to all of our episodes and a monthly video and a couple other things. So yeah, go to... Patreon.com slash I do not sign up for this and look at all the tiers and pick one. Pick one, sign up for it. You can also move between tiers. You could you go can. to the third tier, watch some of the videos, and then be like, okay, I'm going to take a level down and go to like two or one. And yeah, bounce around. I have very exciting news. OMG, tell me. I just remembered. So I work at a zoo. In events, so like I don't get to work with the animals directly. We do this thing every, I think it's like end of January to the beginning of March, where every day the penguins are given the opportunity to go and explore the zoo grounds, like semi free range, and it's like an enrichment opportunity because it's cold enough out. And so you enrichment can go and... opportunity the penguin for the penguins. Yeah, That's it's so tot- cute. I know it's totally up to them. It's a way for them to explore and check some things out and stretch their legs. Stretch their fins. Yeah. And (laughs) so usually it's run by our visitor engagement team. But I got an email saying it's cold and flu season. And so we just want to make sure that we have enough staff trained to help with this so that if somebody is out sick, we could call on you. And I have never hit reply so fast. And I just said, you had me at Penguin. Oh, my God. That's So incredible. I'm going to be trained mm-hmm. to be a backup helper. And I guess I, like, allegedly, I haven't been trained yet. You get these, like, large paddles to, like, just create, like, a uh, if you need them to, to go like, in a certain direction. Them. You corral them. And you oh, get to, like, teeter along with them. Oh, my gosh. That is so amazing. That's very exciting. You're going to have to document your journey with the penguins. Oh, God. And I may never even get to do it, but, like, it is cold and flu season, so I can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So So, I love that for you. Thanks. Anywho, Anywho. let's get on with this episode. Are we going to do an outro today? Let's do a quick outro. We did one last week instead of our canned one. So, yeah, let's do it. Stay tuned for an outro at the end. All right. Okay. Bye. Hello, Elena. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Same. It's been, it's been a couple of years now. Yeah. Like we're going yeah. in. We almost are three years since we started our podcast and you were like the beginning. That's amazing. I think you might have been one of the first TikTok people that I found that we asked to be on our podcast. You were so gracious to come on and share your late in life coming out story. I mean, it was great. And I had
1: a lot of people reach out about the interview and like, well, they related to the story in some way. So it's always nice to hear that because it, it is a pretty vulnerable thing to put your stories out there. And so it's nice when people feel validated seeing themselves in your story too. Yeah.
2: One thing I didn't anticipate, like I think I probably hoped, but didn't anticipate how every interview we do somebody reaches out and says, me too. Like, I didn't know that thing also happened to somebody else. And what a powerful thing to see yourself in somebody else or to hear your story through somebody else's lens. Yeah. The stories are so important. It's so important to get them out there. So thank you for all that you're doing to get everyone's stories out there. Yeah. Thanks. Then you reached out. I was so stoked because you said you've got like updates and you're looking for more opportunities to share more of your story. And what a it it was so nice to like get that message. So thank you.
1: Yeah, no, lots happened since then. But I think when we first talked, I was in the midst of my what I will call, there's no perfect word for it. It's both a spiritual breakdown and an awakening. So it's like this negative, positive thing. But I'm pretty sure I was in the midst of it when we had first talked. But yeah, coming up story had taken precedent at that point. I was still, I'm still weeding through the depths of the spiritual breakdown. So I hadn't quite come out on
2: the other end of it yet to be able to talk about it. That's huge. That's so interesting to hear that you were in the middle of it and you're on the other side of it. And why don't we have you introduce yourself? So anybody who hasn't heard your episode yet or can't remember, maybe introduce who you are, where you're from, what do you do? Sure. And then we'll get into it.
1: I yeah, so my name is Elena Papienis and I live in Toronto. I teach at a college here in Toronto, but during the pandemic, I started making TikTok videos and I started writing personal essays. And I feel like it was a really good, like creative, I don't know, just creative time for me. I didn't really realize I was a creative person until those things all came together at the same time. Yeah, one of the first personal essay I had published was in Chatelaine and it was about coming out in my late 30s as queer from a straight marriage. Yeah, I was married to a man. I have a, an eight-year-old now. I realized at that time that writing was a really important part of my process of even sorting myself out, like sorting out my past wow. and and all of my experiences. And then, yeah, that was the first one that was published. And then I've had multiple primarily, yeah, just women reaching out from all over the place Either going through it, questioning right now, having gone through it, but in multiple ways, kind of feeling gracious and and seen and validated by the fact that their story mimics mine. So it was the nice way to be like, oh, it's not really my story anymore. It's also all of these other people's stories, which is really nice.
2: Yeah. How cool to be that representation. Yeah. People,
1: I like, I, it still amazes me. I don't know what people are searching in order to come. Up across my essay and then find me but then since then I've been writing about kind of other things I have a couple failed love stories out there that I've written about which are always as well people might be like I've been through that I've been there too but the other sort of big theme that was that came out of my spiritual breakdown was the realization that I was a people pleaser
2: oh that's so hard and that came actually right after a breakup oh yeah,
1: which I'm very grateful for now, but at the time it was terrible. Like after a relationship, sometimes you have those, that kind of reflective time where you're actually sometimes even a bit stunned where you're like, what just happened? Like you have no idea how you ended up, where you ended up based on where yeah started. And so it was one of those moments where I was like, what just happened? And I was writing about it. To figure it out. For some reason, the term people pleaser came to me and I just Googled what is a people pleaser. And I saw this list of characteristics pop out and immediately recognized myself in all of them. And it was so depressing.
2: Oh, no. I was going to say, did it feel like freeing
1: or? It eventually felt freeing, but the initial feeling was just a complete sinking, like just sinking into my stomach a kind of a kind of sadness over the fact that I was like this caricature I was playing this role for so long and it had affected my life so deeply because I had my coming out experience and I thought that was the deepest layer that I'd hit but then it turns out that people yeah like the really deep layer that had probably even kept me closeted to
2: myself For so long. What do you do with that? You like read this list and you're like, oh no, that's me.
1: Yeah. What did I do immediately? I do remember being, I did have to just be sad about it for a while. But at the same time, it let me then start to separate the role I had been playing from who I actually was. So it was freeing in that sense that you're like, okay, that's not who I am. Clearly, if that's this caricature, if that's this thing that people, can be by, by, you know, embodying these behaviors, then it means it's not actually who I am. Like I am someone, my authentic self is not that role. That's just a person I was pretending or I thought I needed
2: to be. And interesting to think of it as like a list of behaviors versus a core part of who you are totally. because behaviors can change and be influenced by a myriad of things.
1: Exactly. And so I don't know if there's other people who have uh, some of your listeners who might realize they're people pleasers. I found it helpful to really go back and just looking at like my family dynamic growing up. And that's when I could understand why I felt the need as a kid to be like, oh, you just have to be good. You just have to not cause any more stress. You just have to toe the line, do what you're supposed to do, and it'll be good. And so I could understand the kind of emotional sense it made to me as a kid. And so in a way, it was kind of, I could forgive myself in some senses for that too, because you're like, made sense to me then. I needed to do it in order to get by and feel safe. It made sense at the time, but
2: I no longer have to be a person. And so what what were some of the things on that list that really resonated with you? Uh,
1: The idea of having a hard time saying no to people, like just saying yes to things to the point where you become overextended and stretched so thin but then also resenting other people for asking so much of you. But it's really because of the fact that you can't say no and you can't know your limits and take care of yourself because you've never done that before, or allowed yourself to have any needs. So that was a big one. Another huge one was around sitting in and just this need to conform to the groups that I'm mm-hmm. in, to really try, to try really hard, where in reality we shouldn't be trying, right? We just should be who we are. And we're naturally going to have some friends who we're closer with, or some friends who are not. Maybe n- nothing in common with some people, a lot in common with others. Like we shouldn't be having to mold ourselves in order to fit in somewhere. Because yeah, just abandoning yourself like over and over again, and not really knowing who you are. And another thing that came from that action, which is huge, I could not make a decision. Like for the life of me, it was like the most painful experience to have to make a decision especially to make a decision when I'm with someone like that I'm dating, for example. Oh, God. Yeah. That was the hardest because I realized now that I was so afraid of making the quote-unquote wrong decision that in their eyes, would they judge me because of I, I ordered this instead of this? Would they not like me less or more based on the decision I make? So it was really this kind of paralyzing thing because I just felt like every decision was the wrong decision so i'd rather just not decide so those were a few of the really key ones that i saw and i was like oh my god that, that is me to a t
2: and had you ever been called out had anybody ever referred to you as a people pleaser no oh. no and i don't even know like i said i don't even know why i knew
1: the term because i clearly didn't know exactly what it meant yeah I it, up. it just all came together in that moment and i think it was like i said because it happened just after a breakup and i think a lot of times in our lives, other people are an opportunity. They're like a mirror to us. Yeah. have an opportunity to look in or not. And I think people had probably been mirrors before to me, but I never wanted to look in or I never had the self-awareness to, to look into it. But this yeah. time, this person who I'd been dating and they broke it off with me and I don't blame them. They were We were just so different. And so that was part of my reflective process. It was not only like what just happened there, but it was like, how am I who I am and how is she who she is? Could make decisions, okay with conflict, had very defined, well-defined boundaries versus me. I literally texted my friend Nat one day and was like, can you give me an example of a boundary? Like I literally <laughs> had no idea what a boundary was or could look like or an example of one. And so I think yeah. that contrast was really helpful because I was like, how am I, how are we so different? So I think that was a really helpful thing, this kind of mirror opportunity.
2: Can you think of some defining key elements of growing up that where that served you? Yeah, so I'm the youngest of
1: three. There's, an, there's a big age gap between me and my sisters as well. And so we were like a different generation. I was relatively solo. I remember even... My mom commenting, I'd be like playing alone and she'd sometimes say things like, I wish you'd been a twin because then you'd always have someone to play with. And I know now that kind of built into me a sense that I wasn't enough on my own. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. enough to just be alone. I should be lonely. And so that kind of probably built in a, a natural sort of anxious attachment type thing where I felt like I wanted to hold on to people in my life. And so as a people pleaser, part of it is you just want to become kind of indispensable to a partner or a love interest because you want them to keep you around. It's like part of your kind of abandonment yeah. issues. But then on the other hand, there. my eldest sister had some pretty serious health issues and my mom was very much focused on that and concerned with that and stressed, already just maxed out. And so I think the math that I did in my head was just like, I can't add anymore. There's enough going on. I can't add any more to this plate. It's already too full. And, you know, I just took it on myself and internalized a lot and just decided, just realized I needed to be the good kid and do what was expected of me and all those things. So that's the emotional mass, I think, that I did that that led up to the kind of people pleasing behaviors.
2: It's so scary to think now you have a kid and I don't think your mom at any point was like, I'm going to say this with any ill intention But the impact of it, it's so scary to think that you can say something with such a good intention. I know it's I think about it a lot, like with my daughter,
1: I'm maybe often too aware sometimes because I'm like, I want to explain things afterwards and make sure she doesn't feel that same way. I have a short story I haven't published it anywhere or personal essay, but about that, I call it like the loneliness equation, that idea that being alone means being lonely. That was the kind of equation that I grew up with. I'm actually more than happy to like, if she's happy, my daughter's happy playing on her own. I'm very careful not to insert any ideas about it not being enough. Like, right. You can say the opposite and be like, it's great that you can like enjoy your own company. That's really important to be able to do that and just do the things you love yeah. your own. That's great. And so I feel like a lot of the lessons, those things that I internalize that ended up being detrimental to me. I'm very actively trying to teach her the opposite. Now I'm sure I'm missing something. I'm sure I'm adding something new that she's going to interpret in another way, but like we can only ever do our best, which is all any
2: mom's ever doing really. Have you found in your discovery that you've really reevaluated how you present to the world? I think so. One example that just came to me like I didn't realize until after the fact.
1: I think it was in some committee meeting for work and like on a committee that I'm on. I noticed after a meeting that I was very happy to just like buzz in and disagree with people or just kind of speak up and be critical. And I feel the me of five years ago probably would have had the instinct to want to say something, but then immediately been like, what are other people going to think? Or maybe I shouldn't say that. Like, I would have had a lot more kind of questioning dialogue before. And now I feel very comfortable just like saying it first, yeah. which is good because I feel like I've gotten rid of that instinct to prejudge myself, which I very much lived off of before. So, little things like that actually are pretty meaningful. I don't know if I can think of it, any other examples specifically. Oh, well, I mean, in relationships too, part of people pleasing too is being afraid with other people's discomfort. So for example, mm-hmm. you need to break up with somebody or have a like difficult conversation with someone you're dating. I would have just avoided it like the plague or really tempered what I was saying, like really massaged it so that it almost wasn't even the truth in a way because I didn't want <laughs> yeah to be uncomfortable because if they're uncomfortable, then I'd be uncomfortable. Yeah. So I really practice like just being more direct which might mean sometimes saying something or sending a message and then immediately like cringing to myself. But I still know, but I still force myself to do it because I know it's yeah. a better, more truthful, more authentic kind of thing to do. And actually maybe the best example, which is kind of an everyday thing is, and I wrote a piece for HuffPost, I think. This is how I opened it. It was talking about, you know how when you're at lunch or somewhere with somebody and somebody's got something stuck in their teeth? I used to just ignore it, pretend it wasn't there. I didn't want to say anything.
0: When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file.
1: Bang, and then them feel uncomfortable or embarrassed because then I would yeah. be uncomfortable or embarrassed. And so I realized that that was what you define as nice. That's the people pleaser mode where you just want to get by, get through the moment, and just you can live in your own discomfort. That's okay. A little bit that you don't want really to augment it at all by making yeah. them comfortable too versus the kind thing to do. And the kind thing to do is to say, hey, you got something in your teeth. Because this person is going to go around for the next however many hours before they look in the mirror and realize that for four hours they've had spinach in their teeth. But the kind thing is to tell them maybe they're briefly embarrassed. Maybe you're briefly uncomfortable, but it is the kind thing to do. And kind sometimes means being uncomfortable, but it is ultimately the better thing, the kinder thing to do versus nice, which is surfaceable circus- yeah. and fake. So that's like kind of most everyday example where it's like the difference between nice and kind is about a kind of a bigger thing. that people Yeah, piece.
2: yeah. I find it hard to be, I find I can't always distinguish being assertive and aggressive. They're the same thing coming out of my mouth. So I don't know how to be assertive in a situation because I just think, oh, I'm just coming across as some like aggressive bitch or something
1: but I do like I guess it depends where you're getting that from because like maybe you're just judging yourself like yeah. that
2: like maybe no one
1: else would think that but you equated those two things in your mind but I don't know I think that's I think part of the like coming out of the people pleasing to involve reassessing things like that too for me like looking at those people that maybe you'd say oh god they're so aggressive but maybe you just actually want to have a bit more of that yeah you're- but we're judging other people for it because we don't feel comfortable doing that. Maybe sometimes we have to practice it and be like, okay, I'm actually more and more comfortable being Mm -hmm. assertive and not yourself for it being aggressive because maybe it's only, maybe you're actually worried about how other people are going to see you. You know what I mean? In the same way that if we were to, uh, as women, to speak up, maybe it's only a man who's watching us who's going to say, oh, she's so emotional. Yeah. Whereas if a man had spoken up it they might've just seen as being assertive or speaking yeah. their mind or something. So sometimes it's just like a gendered thing that we've internalized.
2: Oh, a hundred percent. And I think part of like me becoming, I'm for sure a people pleaser and okay. I'm in this season of my life establishing what's a boundary and how do I hold it without being like unreasonable. Everything to me feels like, oh, that's unreasonable for me to ask somebody not to fill in the blank but establishing like what is a boundary and how do I do it and I've really felt like when I came out I had this idea that I still had to be this feminine presenting lesbian because Mm -hmm. society told me that's what it was and to be feminine how I like internalized it was to not be confrontational to be a people pleaser to be gentle and I think I first started making this transformation of, oh, I'm actually not really a feminine person. And it's not only like feminine or butch, if you're going to say like an opposite, there is somewhere in the middle and maybe I can present myself a bit more, I call it like queer passing. I was very straight passing even when I first came out and it's made me question, I, sorry, no, there's become a freedom in expressing myself more through like I shaved most of my head and I don't really wear much makeup and I don't wear heels and I only wear pants with pockets and not skirts and you know all of these (laughs) things that I really feel right to me has given me this freedom to really start questioning how I show up in the world as a people pleaser and it's given me maybe a permission it feels like to be a bit more assertive or a bit more firm in a boundary yeah, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is what I practice
1: too. It's just like caring less about what other people think and like more just about how you feel in your own skin and who you are, right? It's like mm-hmm. actually practicing letting go of other people's expectations of you, of other people's demands of you, and that is a really freeing thing. So I wonder. So when you like another thing, so see if let's see if this be, is if this is part of your experience have you felt the need, do you sometimes over explain? Like if you have to say no to something instead of just saying, no, I can't, sorry. Are you like, no, I can't because I'm too busy or I'm not feeling well, or this isn't this. Do you give four reasons why you had to oh, say no?
2: Yeah. Yeah, before I've even said no, I have a catalog of items that would justify without hurting to be a reasonable reason to say no. And even behind that catalog, I probably have a back storage room of like other less offensive ways to explain right. why I might not want to do something.
1: Yeah, I think we got to practice just saying, no, I can't yeah. or it's not work for me. And the more you do it, the more, the less you'll feel the need to explain it. Because really, I forget where I heard this, but it's maybe it was a TikTok ism. I don't know. But just the idea that like, no is a complete sentence. Like, yes, it is enough to just say no. You don't have to over explain because that's definitely a people pleasing thing where you feel the need to justify why you're saying no, because you don't feel allowed to say no.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We interviewed a girl named Mackenzie who wrote a book and the book is called It's a No for Me. It talks about like, why can't we as a society just be like, no, thanks. And that's all it is. And you don't have to explain. Yeah. And it's okay if you just don't have the capacity to go to a baby shower. You can still send well wishes. And it doesn't mean that you hate babies. It just means that like, it's a no for me for this one.
1: Yeah, I think the pandemic maybe has helped us in some ways to be more accepting of our own no's and other people's no's because it's like we've been maxed out, we're saturated, we're depressed, we're financially strapped, we're all of these things. Yeah, And we have to be more compassionate to ourselves and also to other people when they just, they can't do it. And that's gotta be okay. Like I think the pandemic has allowed us more freedom around that.
2: Yeah. Have you found you also over, I don't want to say over permit, I guess like over permit other people to say no. Like I don't want anybody to ever feel pressured to do something for me with me in any capacity. Like yesterday, a friend was going to come to my stepdaughter's skating competition and it was far away and it's a Saturday and she was excited to go, but I was like, hey, are you still coming? But it's totally okay if you can't. You know, it's far away. I get it. It's cold out. It's a Saturday. I don't want you to feel pressured rather than just being like, are you coming? And trusting. Have, totally. I've stopped doing that.
1: I've stopped doing that, but I've definitely been guilty of that. And you're totally right. It's because we feel the need to over-explain our excuses or explain our no's. We want to give people like multiple outs. Yeah. I've stopped doing that too, because I think part of trusting yourself to say... No, is to also trust that other people will also express to you their needs and their capacities. So, yeah, yeah think, do you think you're going to make it today? Instead of being like, it's totally okay if you can't pressure this and that because I just have to trust them. They'll tell me if they can or not. If they want to give me multiple excuses to their no,
2: that's fine. But I'll let them if they need to. Yeah, I almost teetered on like full uninviting them because I was <laughs> so I wanted to be so sure that they were okay with canceling if they wanted to
1: yeah like by the end of your paragraph you're like you know what never mind
2: actually we'll try it just don't come yeah you just say no for them yeah Yeah. oh my
0: god so
2: I'm interested what kind of work did you do for yourself did it look like therapy did it look like book reading journaling how do you go from a to b what sort of steps do you take to start becoming less of a people pleaser so I definitely I did a, a bit of probably all
1: of those things you said. I did some reading. There was this great book called something like The Disease to Please. And that was all about people pleasing and oh, Okay. Yeah. And different reasons why you might have developed it and how it might look in your life. And there was another one I read a bunch, but I think that was one of the most helpful ones. And then another really helpful one was Something about boundaries will set you free. And there were a few others, but those were like the two that kind of stand out to me. And Some of them were pretty heavy work, like looking back on times in your life when you didn't set a boundary and what did that feel like? And just that idea of reinforcing that idea that doing the uncomfortable thing first or sooner will in the long run fare better for you. And just also, yeah, looking back at times when I should have set boundaries or I didn't and what was the consequence? And then from that list, basically literally writing out what are my boundaries? For example, in a relationship now, if it's to the point where there's like the, if there's anxiety, if it's anxiety inducing, if it's not a healthy relationship and I feel that start to bleed into my life separate from that person when I'm just with my daughter, then I'm like, that's a boundary because Mm -hmm. that means it's not like, I I can't let that happen. I need to be able to have a healthy, I need to be able to show up for my daughter fully. And so if that's what the relationship is turning into, then that's, then that has to end. And so just things like that, looking back at times when I I should have set a line but I didn't and that would have been I would have gotten some of those things from the books that I was reading and I do see this Reiki practitioner basically but it's oh, not yeah it's not always about the Reiki though it's really she's just a wonderful counselor too and so even during the pandemic, we just have like virtual counseling sessions. And sometimes when we go to therapy, it depends what kind of therapy, but sometimes, I at least in my experience, I felt like I was just talking about my problems a lot. And all it, all it did was help me just overthink. Yeah, and actually process any of the emotions or feelings. With Reiki and the counseling that I do with her, she would just bring me back to like, okay, so what's this core reason or this core wound that is making you get into these relationships where you feel this way or is making you feel like you need to be with someone in the first place? Like that Mm -hmm. kind of loneliness thing, which she helped me uncover that whole story of why I thought being alone meant being lonely. And yeah, it was like... A really it was more like a kind of spiritual healing rather than rather than a therapeutic one in a way, although it was therapeutic I mean it wasn't the same as yeah. like a psychologist or something, and I did force myself to meditate a bunch, which was really painful, but I definitely think it helps getting some anxiety out of my body. And just, there were times that it just brought me back to that kind of little kid who felt like she needed to be a people pleaser. And I could address that kid and be like, you don't, you don't need to do these Mm -hmm. things anymore. And I'm sorry you felt this way. And that was like a really healing thing. And and so that was part of it. And then I, I do feel like I almost put myself on the examination table a little bit, like just really looking at myself through a different lens. Like I'd go to a coffee shop or... Buy something at a store and then be like really nice to someone there or open the door for people, and then I'd leave and be like, What did I do that because I wanted them to think I was really nice? Or did I just genuinely want to do that for that for those people and just dissecting my own behaviors and my own kind of intentions and the same thing in re- in relationships. if I had an instinct to maybe go out of my way for somebody. I'd just take a pause and be like, okay, is this like proportional to how long we've been dating? Is this too much? Is this wanted? Why am I doing it? Yeah. So for a long time, I feel like I was really just pausing and questioning my feelings and my intentions. Uh, and sometimes it was right to do that because I was like, no, this is too soon. No, this is yeah. probably for the wrong reason. So Yeah, that's now. I don't feel like I need to do that as much anymore. Although I don't know if we ever fully recover from being a people pleaser, that instinct sometimes will will be there in some shape or form. But yeah, I'd say those were the main things for me that Wow. Yeah, reading and kind of meditating and counseling and looking at myself
2: through a different lens. Yeah, it's hard. My therapist always my big thing is what do I do with this feeling? Like I don't want to say this thing to this person because if they feel bad, then I'm going to have this feeling. And she's always like, but why can't you just feel it? And I'm like, no, thanks. I just, what do I do with it? Like, I want an actionable item. And she's Uh, like, maybe you just have to be sad or just be disappointed. Totally. And so that's like a big meditative piece for me is just sitting with a feeling and not doing something to distract from it or send it away. Yeah, I
1: totally get that. I would turn mine in my feelings into thoughts. And then I just, about yeah. then I let them float around. And again, same thing. Then you never actually get past it because yeah. you're distracting yourself from the like bodily experience of whatever that feeling is. Yeah. So just sitting with it. And I think I went through a phase and sometimes I still will have to go back to where I'm just like, you just have to say a word, like identify the feeling. Just be like, what is this? Oh, I'm just sad and just be sad yeah. and not have to distract or turn it into something else which the pandemic again
2: helps with in a way because there were far less distractions yeah we started a podcast to distract from yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's turned out good it has been really therapeutic yeah. what are your next stages of people pleasing every of, re- of people pleasing recovery would you say do you have any do you know you're working on yeah I think the big thing for me is just like where you said is it proportionate I think my instinct is to just swoop in and save the day with everybody because I want them to feel better and I'll just shoulder their burden. No, it's been a real learning curve to say, is it okay to watch this person maybe go through a hard time? It's not up to me to do the thing to fix it, but I can show up and support them and love them without an action item of actually doing the hard thing for them.
1: Totally. I still warn people sometimes. I'm like, if you feel like I'm trying to solve this problem, tell me, because that's a problem for me. Like that is something that I've done in the past too, where I'm like, I want to fix people's problems for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah,
2: I often say if somebody's sort of venting to me, I'll be like, "Do you just need to vent, or are you looking for solutions?" Because I'll find a solution. (laughs) Yeah, but maybe maybe you just want to vent, and you just you just need somebody to be like, "Oh, that sucks." Yeah, you're like me. I'll stay up all night thinking of a solution for you. I'll have five for you tomorrow morning. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So getting that clarity, and I think also just being honest with my friends and people in my circle and letting them know that I'm working on setting boundaries. I've established boundaries and I lost a really close friendship because of it. I think maybe in hindsight, I have to look at how healthy it was because me setting boundaries led to the end of a friendship. Yes. So have you found that where you've sort of involved people and let them know that you're doing this? I don't know if I've been so explicit about it, but it's definitely
1: been an opportunity with some friends to practice boundary mm-hmm. setting for sure. Yeah. One in particular, pretty recently I had to, it was one of those things where it's good practice to recognize what you're feeling in that moment. Like that kind of violation where like something is happening. Yeah. Okay, like, hey, what is this? And actually allowing myself to to express what I needed or what I didn't like about that and not feel bad about it because that's another thing with people pleasing it's like maybe we lash out because we've been holding it in or there's some resentment that's been building but regardless we express it and then sometimes we feel like deep guilt afterwards because we're like oh maybe I shouldn't have or maybe it wasn't so bad it's that hindsight starts yeah and then you're like is that me and you start to blame yourself a little bit so it's been good yeah. practice to be like, like maybe the way it came out wasn't the best, but I stand by what I said because that was actually, that's how I'm feeling that boundary was crossed. So yeah, I guess now that you mentioned it, maybe there's one friendship in particular that didn't end up lasting the test of time. And it did take me setting some boundaries and same thing. If, they, if setting a boundary makes you lose a friend, then they weren't even potentially that good of a friend. If that's what it took. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like a hard lesson, but. I think it's important. I've really realized the close friends that I have really champion my boundary setting and are just like, sometimes I'll have to say, I'll go to somebody neutral and be like, okay, I said this like this. But do you think when getting that validation of like what you're feeling is valid and your perception of the situation is valid and you did the right thing? I need yeah. that a lot, I find. And
1: totally. And I think that one thing I misunderstood about boundaries. As a people pleaser, because I didn't have any boundaries, was that I did really see them as like fences to keep me out. Yeah. And so that's when you're hurt by them and you sulk over them, and it feels very personal. Yeah. But the more you are able to practice setting boundaries, the more you realize it's really just about yourself and protecting yourself in a healthy way, having needs, which is a great thing being able to express your needs, which is a great thing. And it's actually meant to be something that does build more understanding between people rather than keeping people out. It's like, this is you. Like, for example, I've gotten a couple tattoos in the last couple of years. And my mom doesn't like tattoos. And the summer came, they're all like hidden over the winter. I was like terrified to have to set a boundary with her around this because I know she hates them. And I know she's going to tell me that she hates them. And so before summer, when I was going to be at the cottage, at her cottage and she'd see all my tattoos. I said over the phone, I was like, listen, I know how you feel about tattoos. I have more now. And she already starts to get upset. And I'm like, but I don't want to hear your opinions on them. Because I know mm-hmm. how you feel. And she's like, well, I have a right to have an opinion. And I was like, that's true. But what I'm telling you is that I don't want to feel judged by you. The more you do that, the less I'm going to want to share with you, the less time I'm going to want to spend with you if I feel like you are judging me and making me feel this way. And so I was terrified to do it. And we had the conversation and then the summer came and she didn't say a word about them. And so she respected that. But of course, half the time or more, I was just bracing myself for her to say something because I didn't really yeah. trust i didn't really trust her ability to do that, but she did it. And I was so proud of myself for saying something. And I'm also very proud of her for respecting it because she realized that this is about
2: our relationship. So
1: it was a proud moment for me as a recovering people pleaser.
2: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. How are you teaching your daughter to set and hold boundaries? That's a good question. I think primarily as
1: well around consent and like her body. That's always, that's like a cute one. I don't want her to learn how to be nice, which sounds Mm. like a weird thing but if she doesn't wanna hug a family member when we're leaving, I'm like, you don't have to do it. Like, you don't have to do it. And sometimes there's other people in her family who are very much more keen on like manners and all that. But as a woman, I'd much rather her be okay with other people being uncomfortable with her saying what she wants or what doesn't want. So I hope that she's seeing me do that as well as like a modeling type thing. I don't want her to feel the need to like make other people comfortable because often that comes at the expense of her own comfort.
2: Yeah. It's scary to think how I think we're similar in age. I'm approaching 40 and thinking about growing up and how many, the expectation of if somebody asked for a hug, you hug them. If somebody, whatever, there are so many boundaries that were crossed as childhood. And then subsequently then the experiences I had in dating and things that I agreed to that that I didn't feel comfortable with and all of this stuff. And I'm so excited that our generation seems to be having this awakening right down to the language that I use. When I talk to my stepkids, even things I'll say like, if you choose to get married, if you choose to have kids, because I just want them to just have the option for everything. And that's just such a different experience than I think that maybe our generation had. Yeah,
1: same. And I think older generations often judge what we're doing because they're like, oh, your kids are going to be so spoiled and all this and they can just do what they want. And I'm kind of like, yeah, isn't that great? But they yeah, can, great that she can, if she doesn't want to do that, she doesn't have to do that. And I know there's, there are some lines you don't want your kids to just, so they need some boundaries too to feel yeah. safe and know what's what. But yeah, I think it's really... I think it's a great thing, too, to just give them options. Like, I think my daughter knows she can be, she can love whoever she wants to love, which is a really special thing to me, too, for her to have that kind of freedom. And I don't know if I can think of any other specific examples, but like any chance I get to to explain to her why something is important to me that I'm showing her or telling her about, I feel like our kids really appreciate that, too, they can understand the reasoning behind yeah. We, if we do set a boundary, if we do say that something is important to us, if we tell them why, like, I want her to have tools to talk about her feelings. And I think if they can understand that, they might be a little more open to some of these things, too, because they're like, oh, OK, this is an important thing.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. I feel whenever I watch your TikToks, they're so relatable. And I like laughed about I think you made one about dating a Sagittarius. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like a Scorpio Sagittarius cusp. Are you 22nd? I'm going to cusp 20th of November. So I'm like, oh yeah. So I'm like Scorpio and then just cusping into Sagittarius. I find like the content that you put out is relatable and like, I want to say like easily digestible, but I want to say something like, it's just like, it makes sense. And I just think it's so great. Like what you're doing both like on TikTok and like, I love that you're looking for opportunities to write about your lived experience and realizing that it's, not just your lived experience. It's probably a lot of people's.
1: Yeah, I haven't actually made, I'm planning on making a TikTok today. I haven't made them in a while. I went on a little creative hiatus, but I feel like I'm ready to maybe do some more, do some more stuff. And so maybe you'll be seeing more different stuff soon.
2: Yeah. What do you see yourself doing creatively over the next, I don't know, year or more? I'm starting a manuscript officially. Ooh. like
1: Books. So I'm starting that through a writing program where I'm going to have a mentor basically help me, help guide me. And so I don't know what it's going to look like yet. Maybe it'll be a series of personal essays since that seems to be my style of writing is personal essay format for the most part. I'm just starting to conceptualize what that might look like and how stories might fit together or what I'm going to include. So I just have to either that style or maybe more of a, just a focus on the coming up later in life kind of memoir thing. So I don't really know. There's a lot of options that I have to narrow down, but I'm looking forward to working with someone who has written books and knows the deal a little bit and can help me look forward in a way that doesn't feel as aimless. So that's one of the things. I started to write a script as well and like a pitch for basically a TV show based on a later in life coming of story too. So that I've been working on a little bit as well. And that has been like a real writing challenge because it's, completely different ball game than writing personal essays. So that's taken a lot of figuring out. I think the first time I sat down to writing the thing for that, I literally just got like a sentence out of it. I was just oh like, how God. do I do this? Because you have to think visually and it's dialogue and all sorts of things. I've done many iterations of that script, but it's been really fun. So those are things I've been focusing on the things I'm going to. And then I, I do want to have some fun on TikTok because I do miss laughing at myself when I'm doing silly things.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. I think like, why isn't there, or maybe there isn't, I just haven't found it, a show about coming out late. I think there's like Grace and Frankie. I never really got into it, but I think it's about two gay men. Yeah,
1: it's true. But they're not the primary in the story. It's the it's wives, being right? And yeah. yeah. No, there isn't really anything with that being the main focus. So yeah, I am hoping to put something out there, but it takes time and connections, but that's what I'm going to do. We'll see where it goes,
2: but wish me luck. Yeah, it's incredible. I think that's being in Toronto, that's probably a really good spot. You yeah. need to find where they're filming Handmaid's Tale, or I guess they're done now, but just True. try to find- <laughs>
1: yeah. slip a script down Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On yeah. The table or whatever, just leave it yeah. there. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm excited for what's to come and want to
2: push myself to see what I can do. I love that. I think it's your honesty and vulnerability in talking about that process is really cool.
1: And I mean, part of this pushing though too, so when I first saw this Reiki counselor Angela, I distinctly remember one of the first things that she said to me, maybe it was my first thing with her, my first session with her when I told her about my people-pleasing realization was she said something along the lines of you've been living this really small life that Is not what you're meant for and so part of that yeah and so it's part of it is to be like change the expectations I have of what I can do and that people pleaser role is a very like small role and it's very limiting and so breaking out of that also means you know venturing into places that might have been too terrifying for me before so it's good to be a little scared sometimes
2: yeah And I think what a good launch, launching off pad from, I think that topic could go into so many different realms. Yeah. Yeah. So who
1: knows? Maybe we'll be talking about something else in a couple of years. We'll see what's next.
2: Awesome. Well, Lena, thank you so much for chatting today and reaching out. It's been so nice to reconnect and hear what you're up to. And I'm excited to see what else you come up with. Same. Thanks so much for having me. This has been really fun. Awesome. We will talk really soon. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Take care. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Caroline. I always feel weird. I don't know how to be like, now what are you doing? Because (laughs) we just finished talking. I do want to say thank you so much to Elena, who was a past guest on, she was like one of our very first episodes. I think she was like episode 25 or 29. Yeah. And she wanted to come back, which was so amazing. Love when people want to come back. It just is so nice to like know that they- enjoyed themselves the first time and they like the episode and they want to come back and share an update or what's going on with them it's just it's great it's great yeah. to hear from people yeah i feel like they're like our friends and we get to like keep in I touch know. with them so if um, you're a past guest of listening and you want to come back hit us up let us know yeah hit us email up. us at hello i did not sign up for this.com oh my god because speak <laughs> <no one's laughs> that oh I that know. is very hello. exciting very,
0: very exciting I like it
2: we also have Michelle at I did not sign up for this dot com and a Carling at I did not sign up for this dot Yes, so do just, I mean it all goes to the same inbox if we're being honest, but if you I know like don't trash talk us because we can both see it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna email Michelle at hello at I did yeah. not and be like, I just want to let you know that Carling is a royal <laughs> meanie. I and mean, then you reply and be like, hey. oh god please everybody go and download our episodes follow us on social media write us a review join up for patreon subscribe Subscribe. hit that bell button or whatever they always say follow us on tiktok follow us on instagram join our facebook page do all the things all of them all right i Uh, hope everybody has a great week i hope you have a great week i hope you have a great week We'll see I'll you next you know. week. Yeah. Same time, same place, same channel. Same time, same place, same channel. <laughs> and maybe I will have a story about a, being a penguin walker, aid, oh. helper.
1: Oh, my gosh. pretty amazing. It
2: could be. So stay tuned. Selfie with a penguin coming up. Oh, God. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.